Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil alemin. Ve sallallahu ve barak ala al-ashrafil anbiya al-mursalin. Nabina Muhammed ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve sellem ve teslima kathira. Ama ba'd. Hayakumullah ikhwan. Jazakumullah khayra for your attendance this evening, where, inshallah, we intend again to con- conclude, in the light of Allah, the text of Babel Anya, the chapter referring to the vessels from Umdatul Fiqh. But before that, before we go on to that, if we can just quickly go back to what we discussed previously and some of the masail that we discussed in relation to the water. And we mentioned <coughs> we mentioned that if there was water and there's doubt, there's two, ty- there's, water, there's two types of water, but it's doubt as to, you know that one of them is pure, or one of them is Tuhur and one of them is Tahir. We don't know which one's which. What do you do? Yeah, leave them both to do Tayyamu. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, leave them both. It's a tilaf oh, between father and son. Did you say Tahir and or Najasana? Tuhur and Tahir. You mix them both. And you, um, just vigorously shaking his head to it. You use them both because one of them is pure, and so you will purify yourself eventually. Ma'am, to use them both. So, what about if the scenario is the same scenario in terms of there's doubt, but now you do not know whether it is Tohor or Nejis? And what do you do in this scenario? Tayammum. So, if you, do, if you say you can do tayammum, then this necessitates that you can do what with the water? You leave it off. Naam. What's the difference between the two scenarios then? The first one, you're eventually going to be in the state of Tahara. You don't know which one you've used, so you could, you could first of all use the tahor, and then nullify it with the dirty water, naam. Or you could, it could be the opposite as well, but you don't know. So in that scenario, you leave both. In that scenario, you leave both. So, and thereafter, as well, we mentioned the affair of the kelb, the dog. That if the dog is to lick, was to lick something, then what do you do with it? What do you do it though? You wash it seven times with water. Now I wash it seven times with water. Okay, is that the case with any form of uh, impurity that you wash it seven times?
So it's not the caliber of Khanzir, you watch it three times. Sheikh Khalid says this. You agree? So he says if it's not the dog, you watch it three times. Yeah? Because seven times is only related to dog. You said seven times. Sah? Okay. So then where's it got three times from then? He said three times. Was this his own ishtihad? Was your own ishtihad? He said it, he said it. His chest. He said three times. So then the question is why? Why three times? Or does it, is there is no reason? Jayid. Due to the hadith mentioning that when a person wakes up, they do what? Wash their hands. How many times? Three times. Because they do not know where their hands have been whilst they were sleeping. So based upon this narration, we understand that the person washes their hands three times. Naam. So going back, to one, going back one step as well. Then, do we say... Uh, when it comes to the dog, do we say that all of the dog is nejis or just the mouth of the sal- and the saliva? Yani? What do we say? Mouth and the saliva. Do you agree? Or there's, is there. We say the saliva. Naam. Okay, so he mentions. So, so you're saying it's the saliva that's that that is to be washed, okay? And that's why because of because of what? So why some? Now, you mentioned specifically that this is a no. Yeah. This is the first of the now. One of the narration mentions the first time with the dirt, or another narration mentions what I one of the washing being washing up being with dirt. So some so some narrations mention the first time. Some mentions one of the the washing being with uh, the Torah. No, um, now, so we're saying it's the it's the saliva. Now, why are we saying it's the saliva? Because like Bukhari mentioned it earlier. Huh? No. Mention it specifically. The saliva of the, of the dog is nudges. Why do some people say <coughs> that no, it's the whole body that is nudges? What was the adilla used, remember? Or the, the faham of it? They regarded the mouth to be the most noble part of the body, of the, of the dog. Why do they regard it as being the most noble part? So, yeah, essentially, they saw it to be the most noble part because it's the furthest from the back side. Naam. And so they said they regarded this to be the most noble part of the body. 
However, there's nothing that mentions this in the Nusus. And so we have to act upon that which is clear and manifest in the Nusus. And Allah Ta'ala knows best. Um, when it came, when it comes to the um, any form of Najasa, then what is permissible to do in terms of washing it away? You can wash it once. I right, pour water over it, over it until what? Until what happens? No, until it's removed. Until that uh, impurity is removed. Now, what's the proof for that? The proof is the hadith of the Arabi that went to the back of the masjid and urinated. Now, the man that went to the back of the masjid and urinated. And then, what did the Prophet do or command? Put a water over it. What's the first thing you can command? From the other for white of the hadith as well. What's the first thing you can command to do? Or he prohibited them to do? Not disturb him. Not not to stop him. Why? What was the mus what was the maslaha in that? What was the benefit in that? Because I'm Muhammad. If you start fighting him while he's still urinating, <laughs> then it, it could be it could be problematic. Naam. But if so, what's but what's understood is that to leave him and to do this in one place means that it's all it's only one place that you need to purify. Now, and so this is from the hikmah of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu So he prohibited them from stopping him from doing that. So this is the proof. So if we categorize the washing, then the washing we have seven, three, and one. Now, seven, three, and one. Seven is for what? Doug. Why? Because there's this clear narration that mentions the seven washing. Naam. Three. Anything which is uh, um, anything else which is um, um, impurity. And that's due to, as we mentioned, that the person when they wake up, they wash their hands three times. And then we have the one which is for what? Anything else where we seek to remove the impurity in totality. Naam. And then the proof, as we mentioned, is the hadith where the man urinated at the back of the masjid. Naam. Thereafter as well, then we mentioned that for the young boy that, urinate, uh, that urinates, the urine of the young boy that has, that has not begun to eat. Naam, there's not begun to eat continuously. Yani, the young child, the boy child that, has, that is not eating any consistently from uh, solid foods. Then, what do you do with their urine? Sprinkle water on it. As for the female child... You wash it. wash it. Yeah, the same way you wash it. And what was the reason we mentioned? You remember? The origin of man, of, of, of the man is? The woman is from the lahm. Nah. It's from the, 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 the lahm. Exactly. And likewise as well, we mentioned that 
the many. So the semen of the Adami, the Adami referring to the human male, the semen of the Adami is what? Is it Nejis or is it Tahir? Tahir? Sure? Akid. Sahir. Sahir. Why We're creating from none. We're creating from the Torah. We're created from a teen. And teen, no doubt, is Tahir. The substance is Tahir. So anything created with along with that is Tahir. Naam. And <coughs> the the urine of that which is or your jewels to eat its meat is is that tahir or najis? Tahir. Everyone agree? Why? You can pray where? The pen of the of the sheep and the goats. Now, so this is this is permitted for the salah and the pen of the sheep and the goats. Then we mentioned that the the argument may come that people say that you can't pray in the pen of the ibn, yani the camel. And what is the response to that? That the reason is not due to the najasa. I, the, the prohibition is not the fallen due to the Najasa, but the prohibition is due to the fact that the the, the, the surroundings of that pen is the surroundings of the uh, Shayateen. Wallahu a'lam. Thereafter, we have the mentioning of the new chapter, which was the Babel Anya, the chapter pertaining to the vessels. The chapter pertaining to the vessels. And so what have we mentioned so far in relation to the chapter of the vessels, or what we've mentioned so far in relation to the chapter of these vessels, is that it's not permissible to eat from vessels naam, that are made from gold and silver. Naam, to eat from vessels that are made from gold and silver. And this is due to the... the Clear narration of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam لا تشربوا في آنهة الذهب والفضة ولا تأكلوا في صحاف في صحافها فإنها لهم في الدنيا ولكم في الآخرة I do not drink from the vessels of gold and silver I do not eat from the cutlery it's cutlery Indeed, it is for them, either the kuffar in the dunya, and for us, or now for you, in the akhirah. So this is a clear tahrim, and a clear tahrim that is declared to be haram to eat from these vessels. Now. Thereafter, it mentions Wahukum Al Mudabab Bihima Hukumuhuma Illa Atakun 
And so, one practice which is done with, uh, and it's done to now, soldering, where you seek to fuse uh, materials together, and you usually use metals to fuse them together. It's called, referred to as soldering. The ruling upon this is that if you solder using a dhahab or using fiddha and using gold or using silver then it is haram it takes on the same ruling so the ruling as we mentioned eating and drinking from the vessel eating and drinking from the vessels of gold and silver is muharram due to the narration that I mentioned as for the um the vessels which has been not it may not be pure gold or pure silver but it's been soldered by that then um in more detail there are two types of soldering now right, this affair is divided into two types the first of the two types is that which is soldered yani in its in majority whether it be soldered majority of uh gold or majority of silver right and in this scenario, then the hukum is that it is haram. <coughs> the rule is that it's haram. Now, the second type is the utensil or the vessel where it has a soldering which is a small amount of silver so it's been soldered infused and soldered by a small amount of silver in this scenario then it is permissible jejus this is the clear distinction between the two does that make sense so the asul ruling is that the Asul ruling is that it is haram to eat from the vessels of gold and silver. Now, then we have the ruling in relation to the soldering. So, you may have the vessel that is made from another material, but parts of it is soldered together and fused together using gold and silver. Then we need to understand its amount and what is the actual material that is being used to solder it. Is it gold or is it silver? If it's gold, then you know it's haram. If it's silver in large amounts, then you know it's what? Haram. But then if it's silver in smaller amounts, then it is your juice. It's permissible. Naam. So this is that's the, the, that mas'ala. Likewise, so along with this mas'ala of the, of the gold and the silver, then the question is posed, is it permissible to use the vessels of gold and silver for other than eating and drinking? Is it permissible to use the vessels of gold and silver for other than eating and drinking? The question clear. Tell you. What do you believe? What do you think? Is it permissible to use the vessels for other than eating and drinking? Texas eating and drinking. So then. <laughs> Let's assume that 
permissible. But we're saying we're talking about using the vessel, though, using the same vessel. So you're, not, you're not using it for. So you might use it as a container for something. Maybe contain the food, maybe or something like that. But you're not using it for eating and drinking. Allah Alam. Fi, fi hal jawab salama. There's safety in that answer, I guess. Nah, you say la. Why? Because he mentions for them and this one. Okay, that's a good answer. Anyone else? For saying to, to what if we use it for other than eating and drinking? <coughs> now, but what with what the because I rather mentioned as well the the the, the gold two, mm-hmm. and you mentioned the ring now. Mm-hmm. However, I'm talking specifically about the vessels. Say so if you use it for, just for anything else, whatever you want to use it for. Do you use it? You say you say no, like Shamsu, yeah. Huh? You with the sun? Now, Allah Taala knows best, but the ruling is general. Now, the ruling is general, and the fact that the even though it mentions eating and drinking, this was mentioned this is mentioned due to this is the the majority or the, the main action which is done with these utensils. The utensils is used for eating and drinking. However, what we understand from that is not that it's specific to these particular actions, but the utensils are used for that are used mainly for that action. However, we understand from that that if its main use is haram, then generally it will be haram to use. So the utensils of uh, the, the the food and the drink are generally haram. Then, as we mentioned, as uh, the brother mentioned as well, Jazallah khair, that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu makes a distinction with these utensils as well. That the, the, that this uh, distinction is that it's for them in the dunya and for us in the akhirah. So there's a clear distinction. A clear distinction is mentioned. And so a moment we understand that this use of the utensil is, or these utensils, just because of its general use is made haram, that we understand that anything else that it, be, it may be useful will be haram as well. Allah Ta'ala knows best. Now, And... It's also going back to uh, the permissibility of using a small amount of silver to solder, to solder the, the utensil. Is a proof for that is the hadith noted by Anas ibn Malik, where it mentions <coughs> when the utensil, the Messenger of Allah, sallam, was broken. And he used some form of silver, a small amount of silver, 
and a small chain from silver to يعني, repair it. That's what we understand from this narration, which is Fan uh, Bukhari, is that it's permissible to use a small amount of silver with the utensils. Now, and thereafter you have the mentioning as well, ويجوز استعمال سائر الآنة الطاهرة واتخاذها واستعمال أواني أهل الكتاب وثيابهم ما لم تعلم نجاستها. And so, as for the other forms of utensils, then they are regarded as being tahira. So other forms of utensils is asal, is that it's tahira, is that it is um, pure. The proof for that is mentioned by Shaykh Ubaid, Hafidahullah. The same of Allah Taala, who the خلق لكم ما في الأرض جميعا. That He, Allah Taala, is the one that has created for you everything that you find within the earth. Just so this general understanding from this is that it's been, it's been created for you. Everything in the earth has been created for you, unless, of course, you find that there is a nus to say otherwise. If you find there's a nus, there's a text that says otherwise, and of course, you know, it's not been created for you. So for example, going back to what we mentioned about the, um, the dhahab wal-fidda, yani the, the utensils made from gold and silver, then we know that these utensils have not been created for us. Because the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi said very clearly, that is for them in the dunya and for you, i.e. the believers, in the akhirah. And so this is a clear indication of an exception to that general ayah. However, if you do not find an exception to that, then you know that this is for you. So that which Allah Ta'ala has created, this is inclusive of that which is from the, masnu the masnu'at, that which has been manufactured. I think they'll be manufactured from, for example, vessels and likes of that. So, we state with that, that no doubt, the asal is, that it's permissible to use. Thereafter, you have the mas'ala of using the vessels of Ahlul Kitab. Using the vessels of Ahlul Kitab, the people of the book. And as long as you do not, you're not aware of any uh, impurity. So what we understand from that is that, of being aware of any impurity is that, for example, if it's a vessel of Ahlul Kitab, but you're aware that it has come, uh, this vessel has come from يعني, an animal 
غير مذبوح for example an animal which hasn't been slaughtered which is from the mayat and we understand that the, the mayat is يعني legis if it's not مذبوح it hasn't been slaughtered and so the jild and the skin from that mayat is, is مذبوح Or you're aware that this particular um, utensil has been used for yeah, something which is uh, impure as well, from Najat for Najasa. So in these scenarios, in these scenarios, and it's not permissible to use to use them. However, the asal is that it can you can eat or you can use these these utensils. The asal is that you can use these particular utensils, and the proof of that is the hadith. Narrated by Abu Thalab al Khushani, where he mentions, Call to Ya Rasulullah, Inna bi ald kawmi ahli kitab, Afanakulu fi anyatihim, Kala la takulu fiha illa an tajidu gaira, la tajidu gairaha, Faksiluha fumma kulu fiha. Naam. And so, what we understand from this narration, this narration mentions that I said to the Messenger of Allah, indeed, we are in the land of the people of the book. Can we eat from using, or eat using their utensils? He, sallallahu alayhi wa stated, do not eat from them, and from the utensils, except we do not find other than them. Wash them, and then eat from it. And this uh, narration is mutafakal alayhi, and he found a Bukhari Muslim. And as is mentioned, due to that, is that if there's any doubt, if there's any doubt in relation to the, um, the utensil and whether it is pure or not, then what do you do? If you doubt. You assume that it's pure. Someone said you wash it. Someone said you assume it's pure. You said you assume that it's pure. Okay? Someone said you wash it. I don't know. <laughs> I said if you have doubt in terms of whether the, the utensil is pure, you have doubt, what do you do? What's the certainty? No, but, what's this, but what is the certainty in this, in this scenario? The asr that is pure. As you mentioned, the asr in terms of uh, utensils that is pure. Naam. And as going back to what is mentioned, that the utensils of Ahl Kitab are permissible. Why are they permissible? Due to this narration. 
So the utensils of the people of the book are permissible as long as it is not known that there is some form of najasa. So when it's known that there's some form of impurity, then it's not no longer permissible, of course. However, if you have doubts, you don't know, then you go back to the asl, and the asl is the, that uh, utensils are pure. What's the proof of that? Now, the verse mentioned, from which is verse, هُوَ الَّذِي خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمْيَةً He is the one. No, dead animal, khinzir. If you know they specifically eat, like, we know from Chinese, we visit places, we can to visit places. No. Only when we come to those places. Okay. We wash them. They haven't washed them? No, we wash them, we give the zimmah. Okay. So if you don't know the asr is that it's tired. If you if you know that he's had like a full English from there or something. <laughs> Alice. So, so, so unless you know, you don't need to wash it. Unless you know you need to wash it. And then if you if you if you look at uh in most scenarios as well, they've been washed anyway. Yeah. Most people are not gonna give you a utensil that hasn't been washed. So if we're talking about this scenario, we're talking about a scenario where the utensil hasn't been washed. Naam. Obviously, everyone now is like, um, people wash everything now, isn't it? Regardless whether they should or shouldn't, you know, but everything's washed now. So, um, it's not really a masala of, the masala really is if the someone brings you a utensil, utensil, and he's eaten from it, and there's no indication that he's washed it, but you don't know. If he's if he's what if you have shak in terms of what he's, he's used, but based on the narration as well, that which is that which is ola al ahwat and it's safer thing to do to wash it, no doubt. Now, if you if you uh, believe it hasn't been washed, now if it's clean and it's been washed, then this the what you was gonna do anyway has been done anyway. What you're gonna do in terms of washing has been done. So now this is uh, this is the narration now. And so, based upon this narration, I eat it from the utensil of the kuffar. Then, some individual, some of Ahlul they mentioned that this narration indicates that it is makruh, that it is disliked to eat from the uten- these utensils. And some mentioned that it's not makruh. Why? Because the Prophet wasallam ate from it. So what do we say? Makruh or no? It's not makruh. So he followed that. But he said, the, the next generation mentions, la ta'kul fiha. He says, don't eat from it. We can't wash it. So, okay. But we're saying, are we saying, does everyone agree with uh, Khalid?
Oh, no doubt. If we're talking about what's better, then what's better is the utensils of the Muslims. Naam, due to the narration. But we're saying now, using the utensils of Kufar, is it makruh? Does this hadith um, indicate that it's, that it's makruh? How do you mean? So you're saying it doesn't depend on what is used? Okay, how do you mean? So if it's used for the haram. True, a lot of them are vegans now. Okay. You could, you could. That's a was But for what's apparent, Allah, Allah Taala knows best, is that even with the fit of the beat of the Nabi this does not remove it from it being, I uh, regard as being makro. Why? Because the asul of a nehi, of a prohibition, is what. What's the, if it's, if you have a prohibition from the Messenger of Allah, sallam, then we would say the ruling is what. Tahrim haram. Then how would you now say that it's makro? Is if what? Now, do you have another narration that may be mentioned that the Prophet Sallallahu did it? Now, so in this narration, you find that there's a nahi. There's a nahi. So in a scenario, for example, where there is other than it. So you do have other than uh, the utensils of the kuffar. You only have the utensils of the Muslims. The nahi stands. The, the prohibition stands. But now are we going to say it's a nahi of tahrim? Or the nahi of uh, karaha? Or a karahiya, sir? What's the difference? If something's muharram uh, is haram, then if you do it, you're blameworthy and, you can, and you're sinful. If you leave it off, if you leave it off, you're uh, rewarded. Something which is makro, if you leave it off, you're rewarded. But if you still do it, then you're not blameworthy for it. You're not sinful for it. Naam. So here again, you have the prohibition. In a scenario where you have uh, other utensils, the utensils of the Muslims, you have the prohibition. Okay, it's said that you can't use them. Naam. However, as mentioned, there are narrations where it mentions the Prophet using them. <laughs> Glad you've seen the light. <laughs> Naam. So Allah Ta'ala knows best. Then we say that the the opinion that is makro is one is the one which is akrab, and Allah Taala alam, and uh, that opinion uh, or what I mentioned as from what's, what's apparent, it's not hujja, but from that's that's what is apparent. Allah Taala knows best. Now, and likewise as well, the thiab, the clothing of people with a book 
is uh, regarded as being permissible. This is due to the narration where the, there were some thiyab, some garments that were brought to the Prophet ﷺ from Yemen. There were some garments that were brought to the Nabi ﷺ from Yemen. And he did not command with the washing of them. Naam, did not command with the washing of them. And of course, we would understand in this time of the Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, that these things that these uh, clothing or Yemen at the time, should I say, was a place for Ahlul Kitab. Naam, as you find in the narration of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he mentions in the Khatati Qawm in Ahlul Kitab. Are you going to a book to a people of the book? When he sent the Mu'adhim al to Yemen. So some clothing has come from Yemen now. Naam. And he has not commanded with the washing of this clothing. And so what we understand from that is that the clothing is pure in of itself as well. Naam. And... Thereafter as well it mentions the, the jilt, uh, the skin of that which is dead. The skin of that which is dead, or the mayit, is regarded as being najis, uh, the mayita. What we understand from the mayita, I uh, mentioned the mayita is that something which is غير مذبوح, uh, something that hasn't been, that hasn't been slaughtered. So, for example, you have a particular uh, animal or cattle and it dies in the path. It dies in the path and then it is, the skin is used for a utensil. This skin is regarded as being nejus. The skin is regarded as being nejus. And you have some from Ahlul that they mention that this particular uh, this particular ruling is not uh, the correct ruling. Uh, it is not that that, that is nejus, and they use as a proof what? What do you think they use as a proof? <coughs> do you remember the hair? This is the speech of Ibn Qudama. So not necessarily it's a rajih. Ibn Qudama is saying it's nejis. That is, is impure. But some Ahlul Ilm say it's not impure. What's their proof? <coughs> What's their proof? No, I did. Okay, time. I'll mention you the proof, and you, you see if you can mention to me the wajid istidlal. I, what, how do they use that as a proof? Now, 
The proof that they use is the hadith that we mentioned previously. The hadith of, of Abu Tha'arab al-Khushim. Uh, the hadith of the people, we live amongst the people of the people, we live, we live amongst the people of the book. Naam, we live in the land amongst the people of the book. Can we eat from their vessels? The Messenger of Allah, وسلم, ultimately, he permitted them to eat from these vessels. Okay, that's the narration. That's their proof. What is the wajhul istidlal? How is this used as a proof? There's the skin encounters the vessel. But then how do they use that as a proof to say that you can't eat from the or use the vessel of the skin that is made? To? How do they use it as a proof? <coughs> because what? The meat out of the tab is halal. But here's the, we're saying it's meita. Not not the dhabh. The meat of the Ahl Kitab which is madhbuh is halal. That has been slaughtered. It's been slaughtered as the kitab is halal. But now we're talking about the maid, the Amsaf which has died. And um, we know that that meat is not halal. So why do they use this narration as a proof? I think you might have answered it, but I'm not sure. Because we'll understand. If you say it again, say it, what did you say? Afwan. Because the skin being used to make a vessel, right? No. Is it not classed as a utensil? <coughs> Is it not classed? <coughs> Which one, sorry? The skin. The skin is classed as a utensil, okay. Okay. The skin, but why? Why are we talking about the mayata though? So why? Does, what is? What's the, the connection? Is the question clear? By the way. Now, for the people of the book, what is understood from them and what is understood from their practices is that they would use the mayata. They don't have. They they don't have any ahkam that would that would prohibit them from using the skin of the mayata. Naam. They don't have any anything that would prohibit them from using the skin of the maze. Does that make sense? So what is generally understood is that if they were using something, if they were using uh, a vessel, uh, then the vessel is very possible the vessel had come from an animal which was made. Naam. So if it was understood from the actions or the, the practice of Ahlul Kitab, when it comes to the meat, the lahm, then they would slaughter it. Naam. As for when it comes to using the, uh, the, the, the skin of that animal and the likes of that, then they did not restrict it to that which has been slaughtered. This is what understood from their practices. Naam. So, this is what they use as the proof for that. Is that clear? However, you have another narration of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam where it mentions that the Prophet the narration of Abdullah ibn Uqaym Abdullah ibn Uqaym 
And this is the narration where it mentions that he, so the life son, wrote to Johanna. He, so the son, wrote to Johanna. I Johanna is a Kabila, in a particular um, tribe. And he mentions Kuntu Rakhastu Lakum Fijludin Mayat. That I, I used to prohib, um, I used to permit for you to use the skin of the Mayta. Naam Faida Atakum Kitabihada Falatanfa Uminha. And then if my book comes, then you do not benefit from it. Toyib, what do we say about that now? So he said, I, I permitted you from, I permitted you to use the, the skin of the dead. Naam, but then, but if it comes to you, or my book comes to you, they do not benefit from it. Ahsant. So this hadith abrogates the other. Because as is mentioned by some of Ahlul Ilm as well, that this narration comes, this narration comes and occurred before the death of the Prophet Sallallahu by a matter of months. And the second narration. The second narration occurred before the death of the Prophet Sallallahu by a matter of months. So then we understand from that that it abrogates the previous narration. Because what we need in order to understand if a narration abrogates another, we have to have an understanding of what, or what, what are two ways we know that a narration abrogates another. We mentioned this previously, I believe. I feel like I mentioned it. It have two texts. So how do we, how, well my question to make it clear, I should say, how do we know that one text abrogates another? What what are the things that we can see in a text to say, okay, this text abrogates another? The the wording is different. The time so we need to have either we need to have uh, uh, knowledge of uh, dates. Now, so for example, there's something within the narration, within the narration, that is indicative of a time when it occurred. For example, the Prophet mentions that this happened in the Battle of Kedah. Now, or the narrator mentions that it happens during the Battle of Kedah. If you know this happens in this particular battle, they know the date. Now, what else can it be? Can it be as well? Well, you know, something abrogates another. Something even more obvious. Nah, and why is it clear cut? Yeah, I don't, I don't know by like the exact words, but like um, I, I used to forbid you, forbid you from visiting your grave. But I don't know the. Nah, no. so what? So what, then what happened? So yeah, is what? Sorry. Nam. So it's both both humorous there. No. 
So you have a, something which is sarih, something which is absolutely, as the Prophet mentioned, clearly mentioned within the narration. That, for example, I used to permit this for you and I do not permit it for you anymore. Or, I did not permit you for this and now I permit this for you. Now, so you have something which is clearly mentioned. So these are the two ways that you know a text may abrogate another, or a ruler may abrogate another. Does that make sense, Ikhwah? Jayid. So then in relation to this particular uh, hadith, which of the two is it? How we can know that this narration that we just read is abrogating, is, is, it abrogates the one previously. The second one. The second one. It was the second one. They were not really sure. They were saying, second one, they were kind of sheepishly. He said that, I, I used to. <laughs> he said that, I used to. I used to permit the... Because that doesn't look sure. <laughs> huh? Both. both. Sense. It's both. Why both? He mentions about the... So there's a clear mentioning that I used to permit for you. So that one's clear. Now, I think everyone said that, the second one. Because the Messenger of Allah mentions clearly within the narration that I used to permit for you. Now, why is, the, why is it the first one? How do we know by way of this narration a particular tarikh as well? No, but how do we know that though? How, can, how do we ascertain from this narration? But how do you know that that particular time and place, or or particular no time? Exactly, because he wrote to a particular tribe. He wrote to a specific tribe. So just as you would know something by way of a particular battle, for example, a particular time within the seerah of the Nabi by him writing to a specific tribe as well, this is indicative of a particular time that this has occurred as well. Naam. So both, both manner of in both ways, we we ascertain that this narration abrogates the other. Now does that make sense, Khwan? This narration abrogates the one before it. Naam. And Idnillah, we'll conclude here, inshallah Taala. We'll conclude here and then go on to. Um, continue next lesson inshallah we'll, con we'll conclude this chapter next lesson in our next lesson go on to discuss the next chapter which is the Qadar al-Haja the manner in which using the bathroom I think I said the exact same thing last week but inshallah next week we'll conclude the chapter Barakallahu Fikum Wa Jazakum Allahu Khaira Allah, ibarak fikum fi masharikatikum. May Allah reward you for your your um, cooperation in answering my uh, sometimes my my questions that may be a bit tashrish. So, Allah reward you all. Barakallahu fikum. Jazakum Allah khaira. Wa sallallahu wa barak ala nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi sallam. No. You mentioned about the utensils of the people of the book. What about the utensils of the Qatar? 
So, and so your question is about whether we can we can eat from them. From what's apparent, from what's apparent, the narration specifies obviously the people of the book. So you'd only say to use the tense of the people of the book. Anything outside of that, anything outside of them, should we say, then you would seek to I wash the utensils, irrespective of. Because when we're mentioning now, for example, uh, the asal is that it's, ta- it's, it's tired. So if you don't, if you have shak regarding it, that shak is regarding the, the utensils of the people of the book and the narration regarding the people of the book. Anyone outside of them, then you'd wash it. You'd wash the utensils. You can use the utensils. But the narration mentioning that you should look, if you look to see if you find anything other than that, that is still the, that is, of course, still the case. If it's the case with the people of the book, then Mbab Ola would be the case with anyone lesser than them, right, from the Mushrikeen and other than them, that you'd seek to use the, or you seek that you wouldn't use their utensils. No, and that the utensils of the Muslims are Ola. No. Yes. So what we understand from it, if it's got gold, then it's haram. Because the, the, the narration mentions silver specifically. So if it's gold, then it's haram. If it's silver and it's in small amounts, uh, it's not necessarily... We understand from the narration that now mentions the soldering or mentions, mentions the, the, the um, repairing of it with the gold, with the silver, should I say. However, if there's small amounts, if the, if the amounts are small then we'd say that it's permissible to it is permissible to use if the amounts are small so the the ibra really is with the amount so not necessarily that it's being sold it and allow knows best they'll become on the same ruling The debat of, of the Jalud Meta. Now. I believe. Um, now, I believe this narration, uh, this, this narration is also mentioned along with the previous narration to say that, that it's uh, Tahir. But then we say that when we use the narration, like the final narration that we mentioned, the one that is recorded by or found in Muslim Imam Ahmed, said it abrogates this as well. Because there's a clear indication that he did permit it, but then, and um, permitting it was, uh, I, no, it was permitted previously, but now this narration mentions that it is no longer permitted. So something which is abrogating even that narration as well. No, second one here. No. So, Sheikh Uthaymin, he mentions the principle that 
So that which is taken into consideration and that which has significance is the realities and not the names. So say for example, say for example you have something which is gold coloured. But it's not actual gold. It's not the actual metal gold. Right? Then we wouldn't say that this is impermissible. Right? Um, however, if it does contain gold, then it should be avoided. If it does contain actual gold, it should be avoided. That's the first thing. The second thing is, uh, and Allah Ta'ala knows best, even if it doesn't contain gold, but it's gold coloured, right? For example, then you find that Ahlul Ilm, they actually advise to avoid it as well anyway. Maybe not necessarily because it is gold, but it may lead you to actual gold. Because if a person feels the comfort of using something that looks like gold, they call it fool's gold or whatever, and then they, they become used to that, this may lead to actually using the gold. So, as we know that Islam, from uh, the affair of Islam, that it cuts things off from its, uh, from its roots, and it doesn't allow things to fester to become worse than they actually are. Now, I mean, this is many, many affairs that you find this, you know. So, even... If it's not actual gold, it should be avoided for those for those reasons. But we wouldn't now say that it, it takes the ruling of the one that actually uses gold, of course. Because it's not the same thing. Yeah, cool. Um... From what's, from, from what's apparent is that it's from the, the animals which are halal. Now, and the animals that are halal in terms of uh, to eat from them. So you can eat from them and that because the reason why we say this as well is because we understand we can't use the the, the skin of the meat. So if it's, if it's something to eat then it has to be madhbuh. Has to be slaughtered. If you can't, if you can't eat it, it's not permissible to eat it. There's not permissible to slaughter it. And so the only way you're going to be able to get its skin is if it died. Another way, another means. No. Because they use the example of the tanning of the animal. The, the general, when it comes to the, um, the use of gelatin and, and the likes of that, the, the main the main argument that's brought forth is the fact that the substance is no longer regarded as being the substance of of the animal. So the substance is no longer regarded as being either the um, what can you say, and the fat of the animal, the like the like of that. So. As mentioned again, I guess regarding that same principle, that that ibras with the haqqaiq is realities. So if it is changed now, the substance is changed and it's completely changed all its properties, there's no longer regarded as being uh, that, um, like that that animal and anything impermissible from the animal. So, for example, now, um, another example which is given is when you say, You've got something which is impermissible, some some najasa or something impurity, and you burn it, and now you have ashes. 
due to the the the, the um I guess the chemical reaction of the burning itself, that process has changed it to something completely different. As now it's regarded as being ashes, and now those ashes you not regard them as being impure. If, in terms of the, is it human? No. No. It's not necessarily has to if the, if the properties are still there, if it still um, has the same properties, then it can't you can't use it. Now, if however the properties are completely changed, all, all the properties have changed. Now, then you could say that it, it can be used in that regard. Like for example. Um, Going back to gelatin, let's say, for example, and medicine as well. That some people may say that there's uh, gelatin that are used for certain tablets, and then these tablets now can be used and it's, it's permissible to use due to the fact that everything else has changed. All this, all of these properties have changed. A lot. No. Now, I mean, also, the, in terms of the vinegar and, and everything like that, then what we understand from that as well is um, yeah, it's not something which is intoxicating. It's, it might not intoxicating. And the narration that mentions that anything that intoxicates um, in large amounts, then in small amounts is haram. But this is not the case with these, uh, these uh, this amount that's put in this food. Now, Somewhere in this country. Shams was 9.30, man. Yeah, I mean. Labats, labats. Now, no, regarding the utensils of the of the people of this country, I'm entirely, let's say, the, the meat of the people of this country. Now, then... Um, from what's apparent, Allah Ta'ala knows best is that this country is a Christian country. And so it's a, it's a country of the people of the book. Um, the reason for that, and there's many reasons for that, is that the, the original country is still Christianity. The, the head of the state is who? The king at this point. Now, the king. And the king is also the head of? Church of England. And uh, so, if we were just to look at the head of the state, this country is a king, is a Christian, who's also the, the head of the church of this country. That's one thing. Secondly, in this country, where are the laws made? Parliament. There are two central houses in the parliament. You don't know what they are? House of Lords and House of... House of Common, House of Lords. And the House of Lords, I where they, they make laws of this in this land, they have bishops in there. 
Now, so they have they have Christian bishops in them, and so the point being is that the country is essentially still run by the church and its people. So even if you were to say, okay, for example, head of state, the king, he has no real sultan, he has no real authority. Then you say, but going back to the lawmakers of this country, which is the houses of the house of lords, within them and amongst them are bishops, and they're put in there directly due to the fact that they are the bishops of the Church of England. So, if we if we assess it based upon that, then we say, okay, this country still is a Christian country, and it's still regarded as being a country of uh, Christianity. So, if we were to say that then the utensils that are in this country would be regarded as being the utensils of the people of the book. And then, Bitali, of course, that the meat in this country is regarded as being the meat of the people of the book. And Allah Ta'ala knows best. <laughs> no. And the, shop, the shopkeeper himself... Because when it goes when it goes back to the shopkeeper, if he has any authority in terms of how the meat is brought into the shop, so he is his shop. He's not the worker. He just it's his shop. Then in this scenario, you it's a, you have the, uh, the ability and you should in reality ask about the meat. Now, if he's if he's not from people of book and of course not Muslim, then you can ask about the meat. If he's just a worker. And the meat has come from any any authority or anything like that, then you you accept it as you know a people the people of the book here, for example. Well, that was best. Now,